Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. We know that sometimes it seems like you need to be perfect to have a chance in publishing. And today we have a special episode that proves that just isn't true. We asked six generous writers to talk with us about the mistakes they made, and they weren't small ones. But no, I'm talking about literally we wrote the end and then we sent it to someone. So that was really bad. I sent it out with seven points of view because it's like, oh, they just have to know more about this character. They have to know more about this character. And, you know, it was, yeah, it was a mess. I sent, I want to say four or five more queries saying your client, author name, when they know very well that's not their client. 200 or more writers, just everyone, peers, tons of agents, I'm it, that's it for a writer. And I was probably so far back into my seat, I was the chair at that point. She had called me unprofessional. <gasps> and I was like, oh my goodness. Of course, I I felt so horrible. And I yeah. started to say, oh my goodness, like what if she goes around to all her agent friends and says, this girl's unprofessional. I mean, you know, people were coming out, I'm watching this line of people waiting to meet with agents and they're coming out with full asks and such and such or no's. And I said, well, this is gonna be horrible. I already set myself up to fail. They thought it was over. But actually, everything was going to get a whole lot better. They've just signed with agents, gotten multi-book deals, and one even had her release party just hours after she spoke with us. We're going to start with Susie, who sent out her book with seven points of view. Don't worry, we'll get to everyone. Just look at the show notes for timestamps if you want to skip ahead. I'm Susie Vitello, kind of crossing over from being a YA writer to this adult fiction world. And I live in Portland, Oregon and I've been writing for 30 years. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, so I sent Faultland out, which was called Cascadia at the time. I sent it out with seven points of view because it's like, oh, they just have to know more about this character. They have to know more about this character. And, you know, it was, yeah, it was a mess. It was a mess. You know, six years ago, I started my first novel that was sort of about adult speculative fiction novel around an earthquake that would happen in our area. And I sent that out, got a bunch of rejections, but I did get some full requests, but nothing happened with those. And then I went on and wrote a whole other version because I was kind of obsessed with earthquakes, you know, because I live in Portland and there was that whole article in the New York Times about the big one and all that. So anyway, I wrote the second one and I sent that off and I did get some enthusiastic responses. But then again, it was one of those close but no cigar situations so then I thought, well, maybe I'll try some of the indie presses. And I went along that route and I sent my manuscript to Ooligan Press, which is a local press out of uh, Portland State University. And they asked me for pages and so on and so on. And then they rejected me. And I, I was like, okay, I guess this is another manuscript for the drawer. Try something else. But then a couple of months later, the development and acquisitions team got back to me and they said, you know, we'd like to develop this with you. And uh, there's no guarantee, but we'd like to develop this with you. So anyway, it went on from there. So in the development process, 
they very kindly helped me shed some of those points of view and gave me some ideas of how I could better ground the reader so they always knew where they were. And that made all the difference. I eliminated four of those points of view, ended up with three. We asked Susie about this because, of course, this is not a small edit. She acknowledges that she did have to do a huge amount of rewriting. As often happens, one change necessitated many more. That went on for about a year and a half, I guess, the, the back and forth, you know, and the, and the various revisions. And then they took it to acquisitions in the fall of 2019 before everything turned upside down. And they said, yes. And I signed the contract in November of 2019. And, and today is the publication day, March 30th. Yay! Yeah, yeah, the day of your recording. So <laughs> yeah, but at the time it seemed like so far away, right? It was like, oh my God, it's you know a year and a half almost. And But boy, the time just dipped by and there were more revisions during that time, more sort of you know tightening things up. Wonderful process. And at at the end of the day, I'm so excited because it's just so far, everything's gone better than I would have hoped. Really, we're going to have a virtual party tonight online. There's upwards of 100 people signed up for it. It's a Powell's Pick, Powell's Books in downtown Portland, which is now open again. Thank God. It's a Powell's Pick. And I got a write-up in a local magazine. So, you know, things are great. Things are really so far so good. I love this story so much. And I love how you know, you turned from rank 30 years to kind of a team and then what you learned in that process. Were there times in those 30 years that you almost gave up? Yeah, there was a time when I had my third baby, I thought maybe I don't want to be a writer anymore. Maybe I just want to be a mom, you know, mm-hmm. it just was get like, it was just so complicated and I wasn't getting anywhere. But after that baby turned two, <laughs> things really started to pick up and I began to publish short stories. And because I had two teenagers and a toddler in the house, I was, you know, more drawn to children's fiction and young adult. So, you know, things change. Your your life is, you know, people have complex lives and things that are outside of your control change. And, you know, I think that sometimes you do, you can give yourself a break for a while and come back to it and you might be in a different place. So if you could do it all again, what would you do differently? I would send it out to more beta readers before I send it out, you know, before I started my querying and really get a, a little bit more perspective, you know, and beta readers that were like a little bit more hard on me than the ones that did read it. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there one thing that you could tell our, our, our listeners that made the difference in your thinking around your book? Is there one thing they said to you or one little piece of advice? Yes. And I think it really does have to do with the structure of it, you know, because without structure to hold things up, you can have really beautiful sentences and stuff. But if your reader gets lost and throws across the room, you're, you know, it's a bummer. So I would say they're really smart structural advice and ideas made a huge difference. Mm. That's fabulous. We're so proud of you, Susie. It's an amazing story. Thank you, Jessica. What advice do you have for a writer who's made a mistake in the submissions process? I think not to think it's the end of the world at all. If you are invested in your story, there is a fix. I promise you there is a way to fix it. And it might be collaborative or it might be putting your manuscript away for a couple of months to see it with fresh eyes, but don't give up on it. Oh, I know. It's so great. Next up, we have Talia Ali an artist, writer, and ordained minister from Philadelphia. 
I attended a, this was not the mistake attending the conference, but I attended a conference, a writing conference, and I was really excited. So when I, as soon as I got in, I signed up for pitch reviews and I submitted my pitch review into this format. And then I went to some conference meetings and in one of them, I workshop, it was reviewing pitches. And I realized that my stakes were not highlighted in my pitch and I felt horrible. I mean, you know, people were coming out, I'm watching this line of people waiting to meet with agents and they're coming out with full asks and such and such or no's. And I said, well, this is going to be horrible. I already set myself up to fail. At this point, a lot of people would have panicked. We've heard the pitch formula, character wants to goal, but can't because of conflict. If there's no goal or no conflict, huge components are missing. But Talia isn't just an A writer. She came up with a perfect solution. So as soon as I recognized that I messed myself up, I said, I have to come up with a solution. I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to effervesce. That's what I did. And as soon as I do, I, I, I grabbed their attention. I signed up for three agents. I grabbed their attention as soon as I came in the room and I just would not release it. And so I went straight into the experience of my story and they didn't have a chance to go on their tablet to pull up my pitch to review it because we were already talking about it. And they were like, you know what? I don't need to pull that up. And each time I did the same thing and didn't give them a chance to look at my poorly written pitch. But at the end of each one of those meetings, I got a full ask. One thing I love about how you fixed this problem is that you went in with enthusiasm and everyone was so drawn to that that they didn't see what had happened in the past. And I think that's a really smart approach. I know that I'm a bubbly bundle of rainbow unicorn energy. And I knew that if I razzle-dazzled them, I could get the love, enough love to say, you know, I feel your passion. I noticed that people, humans want love, they wanna connect. So if I help them to do that, that was it. So I said, you know, I am going to steer the conversation to the passion of the book, to the purpose of the book. And then once they catch it, they can look at the pitch and be like, you know, this pitch needs to be tightened. But that's all they're going to say. They're going to be like, I, from what you heard, and now they're on my team. Now they're already there. You're already with me. Row in the boat. So I just wanted to make sure that someone got in the boat with me. And I didn't want to come up apologetic because apologetic energy makes people cringe and that fight or flight comes up and uh, I didn't want anyone to fight me or flight me. So once I got the full ask submitted it, they said, Hey, you know, we love your book, but we want more. You have a picture book and this adventure encompasses so much. Take us on the full adventure. We don't want a two minute video. So I've been writing the middle grade longer version and I'm on draft four right now. And it feels pretty good. I learned that Agents are more about passion than pickiness. Yeah, I wasn't going to dangle my feelings in front of someone like a carrot and hope that they accepted me. I was going to approve of and validate myself. And I realized that I wrote this for me, for the little girls that are around me who I can freely give it to. And so it's not me waiting for someone to say yes or give me the go. I'm automatically approving of my passion and living it. And my passion is to give it. It's not to be signed. 
It is to create something that helps and heals. And I've done that. So I, I'm cool. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, it, it, it happened already in me doing it. So I, the stakes aren't as high because I don't tie my life to that yes or that no. And we love how Talia approaches the emotional aspects of writing and the creative process. And she has some great advice. Talia will be hosting a free event in early June, all about keeping yourself emotionally healthy and vibrant in the creative process. Stay tuned for more details on that. Honor your choice to voice your passion. Affirm that it is powerful. And the fact that you are existing and, and creating this, you're adding it to the universe. That is a powerful movement. If you think you're not a writer, write a word. Now you are. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and then in, in, in understanding that mistakes happen. And as long as we can take a moment to see the create the lesson and be accepting enough of change to adjust. You know, we are powerful enough. Our bodies and our souls are always willing to adapt and they adapt quickly to growth. So fail up. Next up, we have Rachel Remick, a middle grade writer from Tampa, Florida, who didn't do enough research before checking in with an agent. So it was just very short and brief, hi. I gave her my name and said, I queried you about a month ago. I was just wondering if you had a chance to look at it. Thank you for your consideration. And about two hours later, when I was checking my emails, I saw a reply back from her. I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I thought it was gonna be great news. It was not great news. In fact, it went about as badly as it could have. When I opened it, it said I should, you know, pay attention to her writing times. It was, it was, it was a little nasty. I, I was surprised, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" She had called me unprofessional, <gasps> and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" I, I, of course, I, I felt so horrible, and I yeah. started to say, "Oh my goodness!" Like, what if she goes around to all her agent friends and says, "This girl's unprofessional." So I know a lot of writers have this fear that agents will send out an email blast about you. I promise this doesn't happen. If anything, we get so many mistakes every day. If we wrote about all of them, it would take up all of our querying time. The one thing that I, I'll never know if it was a no because she didn't like it or because I did the wrong thing. Now I torture mm. myself. You know, I think if I did the wrong thing and she loved it, probably she would have contacted me. I don't know. But someone who yelled at me Probably I would have taken it. I mean, I listened to your podcast now and saying, hey, don't take an agent that, you know, back right. then, though, I think it's like, oh, if they want me, I want them. But I just tried to say it's not about you. It's not about me. Everybody has bad days. I have bad days in the job that I was in then. Maybe I was short with somebody. And when I took myself out of the equation, I thought the kind of person I am, I want to try to, to fix this if I can. I don't want to leave this bad taste in my mouth. So I just quickly shot her an email back. I, I apologized. I said, you know, I'm really sorry um, that I didn't pay attention to your protocol. You know, part of me wanted to like joke and say, so is that a no? It's <laughs> like, no, don't do that. <laughs> she might not get your humor. Tempting, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I just apologized and I did thank her. I said, you know, thank you for letting me know. And next time I will know better. You know, if I have another project, uh, I hope the door is still open for me to query you again. And I sent it and I never got a reply back. 
but I was okay with that. Going on the manuscript wish list and really reading what people are looking for, clicking the links to go then on their websites. You know, there's always three or four avenues to see what an agent wants. There's the wish list, there's their websites, there's their Twitter. So I'm like, I'm not going to make that rookie <laughs> mistake again. And I've recovered and I'm pretty confident now when I am querying and no one has been, no one's yelled at me again. <laughs> In a regular world, if someone, you, re- you email somebody and they don't respond to you, and then you are allowed in the regular world to say, hey, just touching base. Right. And that's a polite thing to do. But in the writing world where the slush pals are so busy, you know, it, it sometimes can be okay. And sometimes it's not okay. And so it's, it's, it's really vague and confusing. And we've tried to kind of demystify that. But Jessica, is there like the quintessential place to look for the etiquette of querying? I think the standard thing to do is to go to each agent's website and see what they say. But a lot of agents don't say anything on their website. So, okay. So if they don't say anything there, I would do a Twitter advanced search with, you know, tweets from that agent, look for the words check-in, look for timeline, look for the word months, look for the word weeks. You might be able to pull up something that way. If you can't find anything there, I would say check in around, you know, 12 weeks is probably normal for a query. I can't imagine anyone would be that worried about you checking in at 12 weeks because that's actually a pretty long time. And, you know, for a manuscript also probably maybe a little bit longer, like if it's been six months, you should check in on a full request. So I I know it feels like they're making a judgment on your very soul, but I think your interpretation that that agent was probably having a bad day is probably the most accurate, but I am sorry that happened. Thank you. Yeah. I don't, I don't see any harm in checking in unless they specifically say they don't want that. And some people do. And some people, you know, said that eight years ago on their Twitter. But if you find that on their Twitter from your Twitter advanced search, you're ahead of everybody else. Still, I mean, can they expect everyone to do that? No, of course not. If they're not going to put it on their website, I think going with industry standard is fine. Yeah. I mean, people sometimes will check in seven days after they send a query and, you know, I kind of roll my eyes and think it's a little unprofessional, but that's not an automatic fail. And Rachel has some great advice for life and for work. Don't take anything personally. Even if you think that you made the worst mistake and Let's say you even afford yourself that and you say, oh boy, I screwed up. There are so many more agents and opportunities and everyone has bad days. Everyone says things they don't mean even even personally. You know, in your own life, you may say something to someone, a best friend, snap at them because, uh, you know, you didn't have your coffee yet for something even as trivial as that. And we all have bad days. We all have good days and you can just Does it hurt to tell yourself that person was having a bad day? It does not hurt to tell yourself that it helps keep making those mistakes and recovering. And if you didn't make any mistakes, then you wouldn't know what to do. (laughs) Really? Next up, we have Nicole Maletti, a Spence writer in West Hartford, Connecticut. You know that advice they give writers every year after NaNo to not send your book right away without editing it? When we finished, we like got the story out and the words were on the page for the very first time and we wrote the end. We thought that we were done. (laughs) So 
We're like, this is great. We just read a book. Like, what's everyone's problem? It's so easy and great. <laughs> so, no, I'm talking about literally we wrote the end and then we sent it to someone. So that was really bad. My partner screamed at me because I said, oh, I sent last night this agent, this draft. And she's like, why would you do that? Whatever. So I'm like, it's fine. I mean, it's our first agent we've ever sent to do. Nothing's going to happen. Who cares? Well, the next day she's like, please send me your full manuscript. So then we had the biggest fight of our lives because we had to stay up all night and try to fix it and fix the typos and everything. So So you'd think this would be the end of the story. Send a query, get a request, stay up all night to finish it. What else could happen? So what's funny is at Thriller Fest, we saw that agent and the agents were actually talking and saying, do not under any circumstance send us a draft of your thing because you get like one shot. We saw her and told her, we sent you our very first draft. You were kind enough to ask for a manuscript. Then we sent you one that wasn't really much better. And so we just want to tell you like that. Sorry about that. That was like not good. And she was so gracious. And she was like, you know, because I think a lot of these workshops scare you into thinking that everyone's just like mean and horrible. And she was like, so send it again. It's not a big deal. So just email me again. And we were like, oh, okay. So anyways, long story short, we got a different agent and it all worked out. But I just think it's important to know that because we really didn't know. We just had no clue what we were doing. So, but we did get an agent who believed in the, the bones of the story. Thank God. So and she was like, this is, I, I, my, we always die laughing. We are like, she is never going to do this again, but she took a chance. So, so she signed us with like, not a great copy. And then we did follow through and do it. But, you know, then COVID hit. I mean, it's been like a rocky road to sell this book. But anyways, it all worked out. She, I think, liked us as a brand and liked the bones of the story. And it was it's very timely. It's like really, really it's it's really good and unique topic. And, And she so she was like, I really think this could be great, but it needs a ton of work. But I want to sign you guys and we went to thriller fest and we had a lot of opportunities so maybe that was part of it too i don't know but anyways we're so happy obviously it worked out a lot of hard work and then now with the publisher even more hard work like horrible but now nicole has a two-book deal with lake union publishing so exciting i just got my developmental edit back from my publisher editor and it's mountains of work. So I feel like it's for us, it's less like we're never like, this is our craft and like, don't tell us what to do. We're like, please tell us because we don't have a clue. So <laughs> we, we need your help. Say, just be prepared. Don't start sending out queries until you're completely 100% ready to send out that full manuscript and be proud and, and feel like it's strong enough. We are so happy for Nicole and her writing partner. But yes, please edit your work before sending it out. Next up, we have a writer who made a mistake that's all too easy and too common. My name is Juliana Savia Clayton. I write some picture books, but mostly young adult. I have two novels completed. I was querying an agent who I was comping my book to one of his client's books. So I'm very excited. Like, okay, it's a great fit for his list. You know, it's similar, but not too similar to it would be competition. So I go to my my section where I have my word count and, you know, my title and my comps. And I say, my book is similar to your client, client name and book title, right? I send it, great, I'm excited. 
The way I do my queries is I have them all, I do them each in a Word document. So then I just copy and paste them into either Query Tracker or the email. So for my next query, I do save as, change the agent's name, replace the personalization. But what I don't check every time is the book stats, the word count, the title, and yes, the comps. Um. So I sent, I want to say four or five more queries saying your client author name when they know very well that's not their client. Um, Just so you know, this happens all the time. And so in my head, you know, I don't know if they're angry with me for being so dumb or if they're laughing at me or I just know it's bad. And then I've told five different agents that they have a client that they don't actually have. So that, <laughs> that was how it got started. It was not in the end a big deal. I believe I even got personalized responses on some of those queries. And none of them said, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's not my client. So yeah, I don't remember exactly how I discovered it. But I do remember that of those four or five, it ended up being perfectly fine. Everything is better because I've learned from it. I'm on to my second book. The first one didn't pan out for whatever reason. My current theory is that nobody wanted a dystopia in 2020 when the world was on fire, but I'm sure there were other reasons. But yeah, I I, I query smarter now. I, I, I think I'm in a better place, even though I don't have an agent right now. I, I've been getting more success, more partial requests and everything from from this second book. So I have changed my process. Yes. <laughs> and I keep duck and roll because I thought, what if they don't notice it? I don't want to follow up and draw attention to myself. Yeah. Right? I reread every query. And a lot of the time I'll use the, the reading feature on Microsoft Word where it will read it to you. That takes a lot of time, but you can make sure that you're catching things like that. So yeah, instead of just rereading the, the new part, I'm using air quotes, the personalization, you know, and the the agent's name, of course. Now I reread the entire query just to make sure I haven't done anything like that. I don't think I'll do anything like that again, but I didn't think I'd do anything like that the first time. So mm. lesson learned is just, it never hurts to triple check, even if it takes a little bit of extra time. Rushing is is usually not going to end up well for you. Mm. Maybe contrary to what some other people would say, I say, allow yourself to freak out, let yourself have a moment. And it was, you know, what I did was silly. It was a silly mistake. And, you know, have a moment where you just are frustrated with yourself. That's okay. I think that's valid. I think your feelings are valid. And, uh, and then try to move on, you know, reach out, make that social connection, you know, make a funny tweet about it on Twitter or whatever. And then, you know, put it behind you because, mm. you know, you have to move on. You do get one shot per agent per book, but you can't do anything about it. So query on, but you just learn so much as you query. Even if you feel like you failed because your first book didn't get you an agent, you I learned so much. I'm such a stronger querier than I was a year ago. Querier, is that a word? I'm going to make it a word. Yeah, I'm a stronger querier than I was a year ago. And you do have to make mistakes to, to get better sometimes. Last but certainly not least, we have an author whose first page panel went hilariously for us. I went to a conference, uh, a live conference, where we get to submit a first page of any manuscript we're working on. Built the nerve up to submit my first page, and of course, they pick it, and it's the last page, so I am on the edge of my seat. I immediately recognized my page by the first sentence, and as they're reading it, the person who 
was going through my first page, read the word scrapping instead of scraping. And it was referring to scraping something off someone's shoe. So he was scrapping instead of scraping. I never picked up on that because I read it by myself in my head. And of course you put in whatever you hear in your head as opposed to what is there. Okay, I died. I thought I'm like, they're gonna cut my page off right there. Everything, I'm it, that's it for a writer. 200 or more writers, just everyone, peers, tons of agents. And I'm just like, that's it, my career's over. It's anonymous, but of course to me, it was everything. And I'm sure everyone knew it was my page because I was in my like seat vibrating. I was so scared, like so trembling. So I'm like, everyone knows it's mine. And I was probably so far back into my seat, I was the chair at that point. You know, you guys, this happens sometimes, especially during panels where everyone has their different points of views and people are getting tired. Sometimes there can even be a brawl about two. She's talking about <laughs> me. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about Jessica. But yeah, sometimes, you guys, we had, when I put on a live writing conference, Jessica really stood up for a writer because she knew it was on that second page. And nobody else did. And it made all the difference. It urged me to look for ways to be able to pick up on those small mistakes that I myself was reading in my head correctly. And so that's how I found a read aloud in Word or Immersive Reader when you're on your email. And I use it now so it picks up all those little missing words or mispronunciations. And I don't have to live through that again because it was horrible. But in all actuality, it didn't matter much in the grand scheme of things. They read the whole page. They were impressed by my grammar. They were like, oh, she uses semicolons. Like, that's awesome. (laughs) And uh, they were all impressed with that. And they didn't even mention that it was scrapping instead of scraping. And so, and then I was back up when they were like, she has the most amazing grammar. Like, they were so excited. I was like, you like semicolons. I like you too. It was was fun. (laughs) It, It was a learning experience. I'm glad I went through it. Would not want to live through it again. I got multiple full manuscript requests and I have had an agent who was quite interested in it and she has since given me feedback on, hey, let's edit it, work with it. And we're currently in that stage. I'm not signed yet, but she was like, also, by the way, your other projects that you mentioned in the meeting, send them my way too. So we're kind of working that way. So I was really excited about that. It's, It's good to know that like if we make a mistake, it's not the end of the world, which we all like to think it is. The successful writer is one who is stubborn and never quits. People are like, no, it's not good. And I'm like, I'll make it better. Don't worry. You make mistakes. I've made tons of mistakes. I made mistakes, you know, growing up and you learn. And it's not the end of the world, especially with this. So we'd like to send a big thank you to all the writers who generously took the time to speak with us. And thank you so much for listening. We have a gift for you. The first three people to write to Academy at ManuscriptWishlist.com with Susie's password will receive a copy of her book. Susie, what's a magic password that someone can email us with and um, the first person who emails it to us will send them a copy of the book? Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, well, could Faultland, the title of it, be the password? That's yes. Faultland. Okay, <laughs> And June 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Talia joins us for a free event all about nurturing your emotional and creative self. Hey all, this is Talia Ellie, and I'm here to share just a little tidbit on how to keep your energy up and how to take situations and notice the positive in them so that you can keep growing and keep writing and keep sharing your story that we all need. Look for links to connect with those fabulous writers in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. 
And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.